Welcome to Parked, a disc golf podcast. This is episode seven, where we are going to be talking about the Idlewild Open. We have Building the Bag, part three, and we also have our very own Hayden Ricard that played a tournament this past weekend that we will dive deep on. Uh, but joining me as always, Justin, how are you doing tonight, brother? Doing good, man. Tired from the Monday blues, but I'm good. Yeah, you're back to school. This is week two or three of back to school. Uh, technically it's week two. This is our first full week back because we started on a Tuesday last week. Yeah. What days did y'all start school each week? I always started on a Wednesday, I feel like. Wednesday. I feel like it was a Wednesday for me as well. Yeah. Tuesday sounded weird. Also joining us tonight is Hayden. How are you doing, man? Doing good. Just trying to get over the um, sweat that I, uh, you know, kind of went out and did, but you know, it was, it was hot. I, I prefer sweating than getting drenched. So there's that in the yeah, rain. Getting, getting poured on in the rain and being and cold in a tournament is probably the worst. Yeah. But if I had to choose cold, getting poured on in the rain or sweating to death, I don't know if I'd choose any of them. I, I hate playing in the cold, like disc golf. It's just bad. Like it's cause you just can't move. But I mean, I'd rather honestly just play and sweat it out. Cause we played soccer. We can deal with it. We get over it. So, yeah, I think I'd choose playing in the rain isn't actually too bad, but I don't know. As always, we got to go through what we're sipping on. Hayden, what are you drinking tonight? I came up with a little concoction myself. Um, it's a little bit of bird dog whiskey that I had left over and then some amaretto and some fresh mangoes on top. Ooh, that's pretty that good. is beautiful. That is a beautiful drink you got there. It's a little smoother than I expected. Yeah, you put the mango on top. You're just drinking mm-hmm. through that sweet fruit. Justin, what are you sipping on tonight? I'm just sipping on some Redemption Rye with one ice cube in it. There mm. you go. Ever since we, we gave you crap about multiple ice cubes, you've been, you've been locked in. <laughs> locked into the one ice cube. Almost, no more. I almost, had it neat, I almost had it neat tonight. I was like, no, I, I want a little bit of cold coming down my throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, as we always do, this is Parked, a disc golf podcast. Justin, what's the last hole that you parked? Uh, before we get into parking holes, Mitch, what are you sipping you? on tonight? Yeah. You- oh, good point. It's, it's not about me. I'm just here to talk to you guys. Um, <laughs> right. I am. I believe I'm part of a low percentage of people uh, that it actually enjoys orange vanilla Coke. I love it. I think yes. it's incredible. I, you are. It, it stems from my love of creamsicles when like or, ice cream man would come around. Like I would always get the creamsicle. Or the color orange. Yeah, just the color orange in general. I love it. I've had like what three orange hydroflasks at this point that have gotten destroyed and I bought a new everything, one. Everything orange. <laughs> my bag's orange. It's not on purpose a lot of times at my discs, but okay. It's not. Um, <laughs> some companies just right. don't make a good color orange all right um, but i'm mixing uh, orange vanilla coke with a uh, local distillery here in atlanta asw this is the georgia heartwood uh, bourbon that's really really smooth and pairs well with uh with this orange vanilla coke it's kind of like a a sweeter poor man's old-fashioned with the orange and the, the simple kind of kind of flavor to it but that tastes nice oh yeah there you go well, let's get into what holes you guys parked. I know, Justin, did you actually get out to go play this week? No, I was gearing up to go, and then we had just had to, had to take care of family. So family's going to come first for a little bit, so didn't get out. But I was tracking along on the Facebook pages, and they're apparently putting in a course not more than like 15 minutes away from me, which is huge because every course around me is like 30, 35, 40, depending on traffic. 
um, little nine, nine hole course. So there is hope that I'll get to get out more during the week for like a quick hour practice, nine holes and get back home. So fingers crossed. Yeah. And I actually enjoy that. I think having a nine hole course or at least a, a full 18 course that the ninth hole ends near the parking lot is kind of nice. Cause sometimes get out for a little, you know, lunch round or get out and the rain's coming quick, or you just want to just play those nine holes pretty quick is usually, it's pretty nice. I know for growing up, Hayden and I's home course, the ninth hole was the furthest hole away from, from the Ooh. place. Um, but Hayden, what's the last hole that you parked? You played a tournament this weekend. I'm assuming you parked at least one. I parked multiple, but I felt like <laughs> so humble. I parked multiple. I mean, okay, I'm not gonna try to shout myself out, but I mean, I, I, I parked, casually threw a 500 casually... feet and parked multiple. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is uh, hole 16 on Boundary Waters Two. Is actually my starting hole uh, for round one, and Boundary Waters is in Douglasville, Georgia, and they have two courses out there, and it is the BW2 is the harder course of the two. Um, definitely it, more wooded and technical. Definitely more wooded, more technical, especially they added five, um, four, I can't count, um, four new holes and took out some, um, which was awesome to play. I love those holes now, and I hope they keep it that way because they added some I'll just talk about it in a sec, but um, hole 16, it's literally just a a flick with an FX2 or something stable trying to hit. There's just one group of trees that's left, and that's where your aim point needs, and then your just needs to fade right. Um, and I thought I sawed it off. It was the first was, hole of the tournament for you, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was first hole. And for, first round, everything. And I thought I sawed it off immediately, and I thought it went to the, the really sharp place. Um, a pinhole. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll still have a putt for three, blah, blah, blah. And then we come up to it. And I'm like, oh, I'm under the basket. Yeah, it's <laughs> never never a bad feeling on that first hole. Like there's that in between no. of like either you want to park the first hole or you want to be able to have that like maybe 25-ish footer to get that confidence going. And But parking a hole to start it off definitely feels really dang good. Just, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, and then I went on to pretty much... Um, positive i went and part everything else until i got to um a couple holes but it, it, they made a par five out there and that was my the, that one and the um par four that they added was my favorite holes on that course and both um, yeah i got to play just, practice round with you and those those new holes are, are pretty mean i really enjoyed them they played right i mean first round i was only two of, of two people to birdie that par five yeah, par five was brutal. Um, I'm trying to think what hole I parked during the practice round. What? What's the one? It was ten. It was you skipped. Oh, you, 10, did the, you went straight you to ten. Hang, you did the hanging basket. You hanging basket, 10. and I skipped to ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think ten was the definitely the harder shot. Uh, it's and, just a, you're throwing uphill out of a gap, and there's actually two entrances. But it's very deceiving from the T. I believe is a whole ten. Yeah, whole ten at Boundary Waters 10. in Douglasville, Georgia. You want to be on the second one. Not mm-hmm. first. You want to be on the second one, but from the T, it's very difficult to judge. It's like a sound of a slower, like a sixty percent throw with a driver or a full power throw with a a, a fairway driver. But it's definitely a, an in betweener kind of shot. So I've never actually parked that hole. I usually come up short, and I have a really weird putts. So that was definitely an awesome one to be able to park. I threw. You did nice. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Threw, threw the same thing, stable D2. Mm-hmm. And it just scooted on up there. And then next hole, I went on and almost aced. Which, which hole is that? 11. The hanging oh. basket? 
No, 11, a hanging basket is 12. 11 is the one before that that has, it's the little flip up. Oh, mid-range yeah. Flip up mid range turnover. Yeah. And I threw that M4 perfect and it was nice. pretty good. Looked pretty good. And then just hits band and then goes into 12's fairway. Screwed oh. me. So I couldn't no get birdie, putt. but I got the par. So, yeah. Dang. But I, I at least got $2 for hitting band because Andrew and um, Caleb said that's the rule. So. Oh, it's a new rule. Good. Yeah. Uh, I don't play with, I mean, you guys don't ever hit the band, so that's good for me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, we, you know, moving away from that, if you do park a hole, please tag us on Instagram at parked podcast. We'd love to be able to see that. Um, we had our friend Max, our European analyst, we like to call him uh, at the European open uh, this week, tag us a couple times parking holes over at Kona Peach day. I hope to have him on the podcast sometime soon, um, but let's get into idle wild, man. This is something that they've the last four years, we've had four different champions. Um, and this year was no different. Uh, we, I mean, you, we'll just kind of walk through the, the leaderboard here, hit some, important things and some, some talking points along the way. Um, but Kyle Klein, I mean, taking it down in a playoff Congratulations, win. Dude. Congratulations to him. We've said it the last couple of weeks. He's been so, so close to taking yep. a tournament down and it, it was about time. I mean, it was, it was definitely going to happen and we have Maple Hill coming up. I have no doubt he's going to be pushing. That's our next pro tour event is Maple Hill. So I have no doubt he's going to be pushing for that. But did you, I don't know if this was just me, but did you guys get any chills watching his post coverage thing? Like mm-hmm. when he was talking, his post definitely talk? had. Oh, yeah. I had a just little bit of full, chills. Full emotion. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, hard on sleep. He teared up. I mean, he was yeah. speechless. You could, you could so see it. I mean, yeah. I mean, the kid's 19. Be? He's yeah. 19. Yeah, he like just graduated high school last year. This is yeah, huge. And, and, and I, also, I will say this. Do you think you think about guys who graduate high school and then went on to crush it? Will Schustrick comes to mind. He yeah. won the United States Championship this summer after he graduated high school. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance that Kyle Klein wins the United States Championship this year? Oh, there's no doubt. I feel like he can... I, he said, he said I, in his post-round interview, that I, I feel like there's not one tournament on no. tour that I cannot win. He's got yeah, the he's, he's got the distance. He has the touch to play in inside the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's no reason not to. He just has to play his game. Yeah, he's definitely got the chops. I mean, that's one thing that Yuli's always commenting on is how slow and smooth and consistent Kyle is. Mm-hmm. I love he he keeps referencing that European form because we're yeah. all itching mm-hmm. for the Europeans to get back over here. It's but, very I mean, sepo, very sepo form. Is. Yeah. yeah. But I give, I mean, I'll give Kyle Klein. I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and be like Hayden and full on be like, oh, yeah, he's going to take it down because USDGC no, is I'm not saying like for sure. he's going to take it down, but he's going to be up there. He's gonna I will say, he'll I, be up I, there. I, he'll be a contender. Of course. I agree with what he said, though. There is not one tournament that he is not no. in my mind as he could take it down. No, I don't. And I, don't I, disagree I think with he that showed it. He showed it, and like you said, Justin, he truly is a double threat of forehand and backhand. He yeah. has everything an up and coming player needs. He's banging putts from all over. He missed mm-hmm. one putt inside circle one the entire tournament. In his Instagram post, he said that. And I was like, yeah, he literally didn't miss. And what a unique type of putt too. Like the absolute not, like no fear of a death putt. He almost has yeah. this like swinging motion. I mean, do y'all think it's more of a push? Is it's it more a, of a spin? more unorthodox kind of putt. I think it, it almost has like an eagle look to it, but a Waisaki arm swing. Like it has like that kind of like it is like a swinging yeah. push, but it has a lot of power and it comes in on a ton of hyzer. And especially from, oh, yeah. from distance, he is putting that thing wide on hyzer and letting it fade from right to left. Which and is making that birdie on 18. Mm-hmm. Oh, or not 18. Uh, 
17, sorry. Yeah. The death putt. Yeah. I mean, and just banging that death putt was impeccable to watch down the stretch. Um, just coming in second, Andrew Marweed, the cookie monster, as I like to call him. He, I don't this, think he ate the mini at, at all this tournament. He was, he was too locked in, unless he did it first round, yeah, which I, I didn't see. But he was definitely more locked in. But I would have loved to see the Chips Ahoy sponsorship come one step closer. <laughs> um, <laughs> you imagine seeing Chips Ahoy banners at this That would be hilarious. <laughs> or even Andrew Marweed on Chips Ahoy packages in every Kroger and Walmart around the world. Oh, yeah. Just, just on his back, it just says, Innova <laughs> Chips Ahoy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need, to, uh, we need to get I, a shirt, a, a polo that has like cookies all over it and like and send just, it to him. Yeah. That'd be incredible. This, I love watching him play. It's mm-hmm. fantastic how smooth he is, how much he takes his time on his putts and even all his throws. And to come in as a forehand dominant player and do that on, yeah. uh, on like long distance goals too. Like, yeah, he, and he, he played his game. I mean, you look at hole yeah. one, even in the playoff, he walked up and said, I'm a forehand player. I'm going to throw yep. this and, and not roll try to ever do it. And he did great. Yeah, and it and worked he out 30, especially. Yeah, thirty footer for that to 30 push footer. to push it, right? Which I I thought was interesting in his uh, uh, I believe it was the beginning of the round on final round. Jomez did their kind of behind the scenes like player mm-hmm. interview of him. him, and he was practice putting all straddles in yeah. that little quick video. But then throughout the round, he doesn't straddle putt normally. Mm-hmm. Well, then yeah. you go in his whole one of the playoff, and he straddle paying that straddle putt. Yep, and I mean, it just goes to show. We talked about it last week. What do you need to take down tournaments? You need to straddle. You need Repetition. multiple different ways of putting, and it came in handy for sure. It didn't get him the win, but yeah, did it? Did it? You know, take him to the playoff, hundred um, percent. Another thing to mention about him, he went fifty-two holes bogey free yep. until That's hole insane. sixteen or hole seven. Yeah. It was, it was, whole, 17. It was whole, whole 17, which is a brutal, mm-hmm. brutal, like he got unorthodox so snake, snaking river. Like, how do you Parkour. not go OB on that hole? Yeah. Like, he got so unlucky. Yeah. And it speaking of like guys who got tree. lucky, Kevin Jones throws that flip up oh 300 God. series PA3, hits the back like two inch high wall yeah. and parks the heck out of it. And, and just, just framed it up to have six players going into hole 18. Two of those players or three of those players already in the clubhouse on the, the chase card at minus 24, six players. Yeah. Like, that was an insane stat to hear. Yeah. And we've and, talked about it in past weeks is we talked about in the, the FPO field that there's so many players that have a chance to win every week. Yeah. And it is finally showing more and more in the men's field where your Paul Macbeths are, are not, they're at the top. But are they you're the not, 100% not, chance of winning? No, they're not anymore. You're, you're not having just a single person killing each event back to back to back like we used to have. Like yeah, I mean, when, to, when no, you and I started watching coverage in what, 2013? 2014, yeah. we still really yeah. started watching coverage. And it was Macbeth, Wysocki, Shoestrick, mm. and who else? Germ a little bit. Um, but cons- consistently. Germ wasn't always consistent. Yeah. I would say those three and Simon Lazat. Was yeah, really was it, and, was it and a little and bit of eagle. Eagle was 2015, eagle. 2016, yeah. and he kind of came on the scene. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, there's so many names. We we had a, a yeah. playoff between two guys that have never had a playoff in nope. pro yeah. ever. Yeah. Like, what a cool statistic! But yeah, 52 holes without a bogey from Andrew Marweed. Um, something else to mention about him: played collegiate basketball. I mean, you think of somebody like Kevin Jones, who was a kicker, I believe, with uh, yeah. Arkansas State. Was it somewhere in Arkansas mm-hmm. College there? Um, but I mean, you have these guys that are now making the transition of that have, you know, uh, the ability to take a collegiate level, a 
you know, nearly professional level of their sport, taken into disc golf and be able to, to take that professionalism, which is just so good for the sport. And is really cool to see their approach to the game, especially being a forehand dominant player. It's really yeah. interesting being a basketball player and a forehand dominant player. That's two things I didn't really expect to see together. Hey, you never know if he works on it. I wonder if he actually knows somebody from our high school. Did someone from our high school go to his college? Uh, depends on what college he went. I know he went to Arkansas something, but, uh, Oh, you're talking about Kevin. No. Marley yeah, went Kevin, to Western I, Michigan. No, no. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin went to, um, I don't know what college he went to, but remember, uh, RC Eustace. Oh yeah. He went to, he did play basketball. Arkansas state. Time. That's right. Yep. He went to Arkansas state for football. Yeah. Small school. Who knows? Um, maybe he taught him everything he knows about disc golf. Who knows? Hey, um, never <laughs> um, another talking point with Andrew, um, when, during the, uh, the pre-round interview, which I really like how they do those pre-round interviews is it's like, it's just them answering the questions mm-hmm. um, instead of like the question being asked. It gives a really good flow. It's something we haven't really mentioned, but I really enjoy those. those I, interviews love it. I, look, actually, I love this. I sometimes look forward more to um, who are you going to, who are they going to interview this week or this tournament or this round? Cause they try to do one per round. Yeah. And I noticed they try to kind of pick the underdog, right? Yeah. So like Kyle Klein got one having not won yeah, any major tournament until this week. Marwe gets one. Um uh They've done one with Nico Maddie, in the past. They've done did it with Matty O get one? Yep. Yeah, Matty O got, got one. one. So yeah, some of these guys who aren't, you know, super household names. I know I know Orem is a older household name to an extent. But um no, I look I look forward to it. I've enjoyed the kind of the T D thing this week. Which mm-hmm. this is the second uh, tournament. TD now. Cor- and the, course designer. And course oh, yeah. designer. This is the second mm-hmm. week they had the TD or course designer do the final, the, do the first throw on the final round. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't get it at Ledgestone due to the weather cancellation. Right. Obviously, yeah. I believe it. He, they mentioned it. It was. It's. Is it Upper Park? That's like a charity event that they're I doing so. for the throw. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I believe it has something to do that. I didn't realize that they mentioned it. We'll have to fact check that and talk about it next week. I'm and, pretty sure it is. I believe it's Upper Park Charity, some kind of event they're doing. Um, but going back to Andrew, uh, this is a very interesting point that he, he mentioned in his, his interview. Um, he said he doesn't really enjoy the first half of the tour, you know, being the West Coast, due to it being a lot of bomber backhand courses, the golf mm-hmm. courses, you know, the more Western style golf that we're all accustomed to. He prefers the wood style on the East Coast. Is, I think that was really interesting. Do you guys think that there is a way in which those could be mixed? Because it definitely is like you have the first part of the season that is open bombers. You have the second part of the season that is very wooded solely due to the travel schedule. Yeah. What, do you, what do you all think? Is there a way to change that? Or is there a way to you know make that there better? there could be. I feel like a good mix of it would be fantastic. Where, But you know, going from, you know, west to east and then, you know, transferring back and forth is just a nightmare for yeah. those guys. Right. And uh, if you're new to, if you're new to disc golf, the reason for that being ninety-eight percent of the professional disc golf tour are in vans and yeah, driving turn they're driving. Turning. They're not flying, they're not no, doing not like, many they're not them. nobody no. not they're very minimal people fly. Like yeah, I would say Paul, less Paul than McBeth less than five flies, yeah. but he only flies to select tournaments depending yeah. on when he wants to go home. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you still get the social media. Jerem images. does the same thing. Uh, Jerem yeah. will drive if it's local yeah. near his home, but he'll fly if it's farther away. Yeah, right. I know Eagle, Eagle and Simon are both solely yes. flying this year. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, because they they've definitely been on flights and but I feel blogs like, and stuff. I feel like in that dilemma is the answer to the question, though: is how do you, you know, per se, fix this or mix it up? Would be. Mm-hmm. 
when the pro tour starts paying out enough or professionals are being paid enough by sponsorships that they can just casually pack up and go, I'm flying to Arkansas for the week and then back to Maine. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you have to tweak your courses on the West Coast mm-hmm. to begin to not quite match, whether that means you do some searching and then potentially even paying out to build a course in some random national park where there are some trees. Right, which we so saw the, We saw a, a, what the future of tournaments and like courses can look like with the, the skins match. Was it in, I forget yeah. what city or state it was in, um, with GK Pro and the skins match that was on that re- ridiculous course oh, that place oh, was, was, was fantastic oh, yeah. but design pro tour next year that was in illinois yeah. illinois yeah but i mean yeah. courses like that and I, I think what it would do is it would bring maybe a different vibe and a different skill set where it's like you can't just lock in week after week after week and throw these backhand bomber course if you went yeah. from a golf course to a wooded course to a open course to a seriously wooded course back to a golf course like your your leaderboard would change and i think World it would develop would develop a serious rounded player. And we talked about it in episode one and like the difference of round to round, like the leaderboard changed like crazy. Oh yeah. And I think there's going to come a time where we hope there's going to come a time where disc golf gets to that size where it will be a, yeah. you travel here and you play the course and the schedules work out the way they work out. Um, but it's definitely going to be a lot of time, but I just thought it was interesting that he brought it up for that reason, him specifically saying, I really don't well, like the first year, first part of the year. I way look forward to the East coast tour. And he said Northwoods black was his favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one whoa. talk about the 1%. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which was, I was like, well, I mean, that's what he loves. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can see it. That's yeah. what he grew up playing on. So why was being, especially being from Michigan, no doubt. Yeah. Um, really cool to see the two guys, Andrew Mar- Marweed and Kyle Klein, uh, go into that playoff. Being friends, both being from Michigan, uh, similar styles, and just and just really cool other. to see. Yeah, I mean, played each other for such a long time. Really cool to see that. Moving down the leaderboard, a four-way tie for third place. As we mentioned previously, six-way tie going into the final hole. Um, we had in third place, Drew Gibson, Joel Freeman, Calvin Heimberg, and Kevin Jones. Drew Gibson shoots minus 12 to jump from 12th place to third place. Hot round. Hot I would love to have seen round. that on footage. That's yeah, crazy. He, I believe he was third card, fourth card that would have been. I think he was third card. Yeah, either bottom of third card or top of fourth right around there. Yeah. Just absolutely absurd. Joel Freeman jump, shoots 11 under to jump five spots. Um, someone who definitely plays incredibly well in the woods. Um, definitely mm-hmm. a, an older, I guess older name. Um, it's Older-ish. been on tour for a while. Um, really solid guy. Met him at USTGC last year, two years ago. Um, really great guy. Um, and of course, you can't have any course that you throw frisbees on where Calvin Heimberg isn't going to make a push. <laughs> not in the top ten. <laughs> if you're throwing disc golf discs in a forward motion, ten out of he's ten gonna, times gonna Calvin's going to make the top. Yeah. Um, and I love what he was. I mean, the previous weeks, D Glow, like, oh, I played terrible because my putt was so bad. And then he goes back the next week and ties for the win and he's yeah. banging putts all over the place. Like, it's just, it's what he does. Um, but let's talk about Kevin Jones for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Being on the lead mm-hmm. card, just a roller coaster of a round. And I feel like that's been happening a lot with Kevin. He'll start out hot um, and then he'll just kind of, you know, but, teeter off. But he stayed consistent throughout the roller coaster this, okay. this tournament. The biggest point to this is he did not miss a C1 putt the whole time until, until like hole, hole 16. Yeah, hole round 16. Three, mm-hmm. or, or final round. Yeah. And it honestly, watching it, 
made me go, huh, I've been practicing straddle putted. I straddle padded, straddle putted, straddle padded. I straddle padded. I straddle padded. I straddle putted for quite some time. And I do enjoy straddle putting. It's consistent. It, it, with my broken body, if you haven't heard that from you know the other six episodes of this podcast, I I really enjoy straddle putting. It's consistent. It's a you can be in any situation on a hill, leaning out uh, around something, and my God, did he do it! And in the most insane How? style, was it round one that he jumped over? Or was it round yeah, two? Jumped over the culvert. Round one, yeah, jumped over. What is that thing called? Culvert. The culvert. Like that was like a five foot jump over that thing like yeah. and launching a putt or from like the 70 or 100 feet something like was that it for the eagle was no it was for, for it was for birdie yeah, yeah. Bird, and then sorry. not two seconds after that ricky throws a 78 Same footer th- in yep and it was just like, just hypes oh, hypes it up i mean that's yeah. the kind of golf we want we want that drama like you said last week it's like you yeah. want that drama kind of like bring it in there and give some i mean give some competitiveness that's what we're yeah. here for. Yeah. And we watched the roller coaster round of Kevin in the final round. He started with bogeys, double bogeys. Then he finished the front bogey. nine. He had, he had a triple bogey. Yeah, he did. You're right. He had a trip. He went bogey on hole two mm-hmm. and then had a triple bogey on, I can't remember, but then he goes in Eagles and then birdies. Jeez. And just like, it's just, is back to under par after a triple bogey and a bogey. Yeah. I was he like, finishes the front nine birdie, what? Eagle birdie. Yeah. And I mean, what a that we talked about style with him jumping over stuff, but grenade master. The guy is throwing yeah. grenades. Freaking like he did not change that God. hole. He played that hole the same way every time. Rounds. Yep. Yeah. And, and he why did wouldn't it, you? Was it, it was at Worlds in Utah? He did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was a very similar shot. Like, uh, yeah. and he's a great gap. Except for one round, like he it's did change it game. up. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, the round right. that bit him in the butt because he he's mm-hmm. like, I'll just throw a hyzer flip here, and it he right he missed. Yeah, Worlds. He did that. Um, but yeah, I mean the grenade, and he's throwing like the moose knuckle grenade too. Like oh, he's got dude, his it's, it's wrapped it's, around it. His ow. body, his body, like whips like horizontally. Like his shoulders it's are a like slow mo on that it, thing. Oh, it's insane. It like hurts to watch. It probably but, hurts you more than anybody. Yeah, it's got to. <laughs> I mean, I mean but, we've thrown oh, yes. them, and it. it's it's a oh, it weird hurts your shot. hand like crazy. But there, we when we threw them uh, at North Landing in Marietta, it Georgia, worked. we threw it on that one hole that's wide open. But it it's a shot that can only go so far. Yeah. Like it, like according to physics, like it it doesn't have glide. It doesn't have you know the the level of like distance in it so it's a genius shot when you know the amount of power you can put into it mm-hmm. there's really no left to right motion it's a great shot but the way in which he chooses to use it is absurd yeah it's it's, it's unnecessary just, yeah, <laughs> okay. it is it is but it works so it makes him feel comfortable mean. right yeah mm-hmm. for sure hey he did a fantastic job i mean yeah. he could have been in contention if he did not miss that um that last putt on 18, 18. Mm-hmm. he should have definitely gone to a knee yeah, like, but I mean that's not his style. Like, he doesn't. How can not. he really straddle putt from a knee? Yeah, he's not really going to do that. Nope. But he but, did. I, I mean, mean, we. I mean, uh, like an absolute fight in him through holes seven through fifteen. Those eight holes, he went seven down through those eight holes. Yeah, I mean, is just he, absolutely he crazy. And I liked at the end there. You got a little. You got to see it. But he was celebrating with um, Kyle Klein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and through, throughout was, the round, and people have said that before. Jeremy said before that yeah. Kevin is just someone you want in your card, whether you're yeah. in you're in twentieth place or you're in, on the league card. He yeah. just he loves the sport and pushes it to a whole new level every single time. And just the absolute joy 
that goes along with yeah, having why him on your card. I mean, that's who that's who you want. Even on like our card, like when we were playing, like our last, final round, we were just having fun. Like no one mm-hmm. was like really pissed at each other. Like or trying oh. to get on each other's nerves or quiet. You know, I hate when you have those cards that are quiet and nobody talks, yeah. just because it's just like, come on, guys. Like we're here to have fun. Yeah, that's at the bigger at the bigger tournaments, I can understand people. You know, that's yeah, because money and do but, that, but when when the money comes into it, but at the same time, like. That's what we love about our sport is yeah. it's it's the companionship, it's the relationships that yeah. are formed in it, and it's the just the joy that I feel you're like watching, you grow you're watching more a, that way. A disc, yeah, you you really do, and I feel like I know I play better when I'm yeah. enjoying myself and having a good time, and I'm more laid back. I yeah. 100% play better. Um, yeah. But speaking of playing better, someone that definitely needed to play better that was <laughs> shocking, wow, was Paul Macbeth. Like, oh, what the. Yeah. Like he just got <laughs> unlucky on some things, and then he was just not playing Paul McBeck golf. But you look, you look at his final, his his score. He shot minus nine in round one, shot mm-hmm. minus eleven in round two, and then absolutely pooped in his shorts and shot <laughs> minus two in round three. But he was only like one back the entire time. Yeah. Like it, it looked terrible. He literally it was had like, to make an eagle on eighteen to to go to the playoff to go yeah. to the playoff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. But it was just, I mean, it was crazy to watch him just not even struggle, but just very odd decisions on just some holes. There were some disc had. decisions that he made where he was throwing faster discs where he would normally throw slower ones. And he you saw him. The, he threw the force a lot. I noticed that. And I wonder yeah. if he should have thrown the Raptor in some situations. Right. Which he doesn't, I, he wasn't really throwing the Raptor much in the early season. He was kind of trying to find something in that slot. That I think that's the slot he's always struggled with. He threw the, uh, what is it, the tracker, the 3.0 yeah. tracker for a long time. He threw some other discs that kind of filled that slot. But even we go back to last week in the interview that we read when he was talking about Northwoods Black, is he said, I'm not throwing a distance driver off a tee, except if it's forehand and it's like one time. But the courses aren't extremely different. I would say half the course of Idlewild is pretty dang similar to some yeah. of Northwood's black. It's just, a softer, it's just a softer par than Northwood. Yeah, no, for they sure. They joked about that in the practice round. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But it was definitely some interesting decision-making. And then discs that he you know, has thrown for his entire career with Discraft over the last, what, three years, four years now he's been with Discraft. Um his that black zone he's thrown for so long even that he was misfiring with he was throwing it super long but then on was a hole 17 he throws it extremely long and then he goes and bangs an uphill off the tree like 70 something foot oh that was cool like oh it was yeah that was the same time his putts were off like i mean mm -hmm. you were looking at some of his putts and it was not like his normal routine of Mm -hmm. How he puts, and I was like, okay, well, did he change? And yeah, I do mean, you guys think Yuli he... Yuli cha- saw it? It's like he's changed. He changes his routine. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys think he might still be struggling with his ankle? I know supposedly he's kind of through that. With I know that was a big like when Maybe. I first started watching coverage, that was kind of the year that he had just gotten hurt. And I remember, and this is where I'm kind of I guess it's interesting to watch even myself evolve because I'm someone who when I jump into stuff like I'll definitely get on the bandwagon players. So like. Macbeth was the guy. I was like, all right, this is McBeast. Like, Jomez, like, totally promotes him. And, like, yeah, I mean, everyone was, became, if you weren't a Macbeth fan already, when he switched Discraft, everyone became a Macbeth fan. Yeah. The way they changed, the way they covered his chain, building the bag, Everything. the way they did, just promoted all that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, watching him struggle lately is, I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, granted, I love watching these younger guys like Kyle Klein and Eagle and, Marweed or even Matty O, some of the older guys who are kind of making these comebacks and watching that field evolve. But it's it's so odd, like you said, now to see some of those 
this guy's always won to, to really I mean really struggle. Like mm-hmm. I just I wonder I wonder what's going on in his head. I wonder if he'll talk about it. I wonder if the yeah. ankle is still bothering him. And he if it does have to do with to the it. ankle, if it you know if it, if it is the ankle, I wonder if it's if he'll go back to straddle putting. He straddle putted for what three or four tournaments three. in like 2018, was it? Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely banging them. Hmm. I mean, and you've seen some guys go and do that. Shoestrick one that come to mind. His putt was never his greatest strength, but nope. there was a time when he went to be a, a straddle putter and was putting phenomenally and just to find a stroke again and then would go back. So I don't know if we see something with the ankle. I don't know what it was. To me, it looked like he was almost distracted. He didn't seem focused. He didn't seem... Jaren did mention that someone's phone in the gallery like went off during one of his putts. Maybe the gallery was throwing him off. Maybe there's just stuff going on I just don't feel like the gallery affects a guy like that. I I, shouldn't. it shouldn't, but I mean, he's human. I mean, he's talked about it before going into worlds, like the the fear that he, you know, he has not fear, but like the nerves that still come in a time like that. I mean, but who would you? I mean, it's kind of I kind of okay. So like, I relate it kind of to any kind of sport. So obviously, Mitch, with what we sent, what you sent me this don't, morning, don't you dare Dan- say the yips. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden and I have been watching Ted Lasso. And uh, the, yips. the yips. Don't, 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 don't say, don't say, don't say. It's the yips. The yips. Um, but so, like, I was listening to the F one podcast, or not uh, the Daniel Ricardo podcast. Yeah, on Smartless. On Smartless, and uh, I didn't listen to all of it. Don't spoil me. Okay, well, they just brought up <laughs> fear and how they deal with fear. Oh and yeah, I did. It's kind of that. like a known thing, and like you have to yeah. just kind of like throw it away. And right. but it's it's there, but like yeah. you just kind of have to just let it go and yeah. forget about it. It's that Maybe. next thing you have to have to, yeah. to. If you're a championship level player, you have to be able to play through the fear and almost yeah. fuel off of it, yeah, knowing exactly. that it's there, knowing that it's an option, knowing that hey, I could miss this putt and roll OB, yeah. but I have the ability to silence that yeah. and push in. Which Go ahead, Klein, Justin. Which Klein certainly shows with his no fear of death putts. Oh yeah. I was gonna yeah, say I wonder, okay. and I'm still I'm over here still speculating on what might be going through Macbeth's head. I almost wonder if his announcement of the um, $10 million Discraft deal plus the Paul McBeth Foundation. I almost wonder if he's almost kind of, this sounds bad, but kind of put himself out of the door. Almost where he's kind of step. he's he set up his future great. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got, a, now the contract, I don't know, because Discraft might not like it if he starts falling down below, you know, that top five spot. But with the Paul McBeth Foundation, so how we care. talked about Ricky opening up, he's got his own pro shop now, right? Mm-hmm. Where Ricky was starting that. We always um, talk about how you want to become the Jay-Z like Kayla Laviska of, right. of what does it look like next. So I wonder if almost his business ventures are clouding his mind more so. And maybe at some of these events, you're seeing that where he's he's thinking ahead to, okay, where am I putting this next course at? Who am I sponsoring or helping right. support next? And that's getting in his head at the wrong moment. I, or it could be home. You know, he's married. He's married on the road. I mean, who knows? There's, what's a, there's going a lot of variables. The there's he's a ton also, of variables. Yeah. He's, and he's human. human. Yeah, yeah. Yuli talked about it. Thirties, right? So. Yuli talked about it last week. I mean, the amount of of just extreme like scheduling he has. Um, but I think for a guy like Macbeth, I think there's also a level of he's not worried about how he finishes. If he's not first, he does not care. I don't think he does that either. is all. That is, I That's mean, fair. Ricky Bobby Jean is strong in him. I mean, first <laughs> you're last. Like it's it's true. I mean, he he doesn't care because the thing is, is he's not his week to week is not hinging upon how he finishes in a tournament. It's yep. not whatsoever. 
with his turn with his his sales and discs, with his his contract, with his sponsorships outside of it, with the foundation that he's doing. Like he he's not worried about oh if I run this putt, I could go OB and now I'm in seventh place. He doesn't care. Like and there's there's he a cares, different he style. Care. He does, but he you know what I mean. He he is he. There's a different style of play. They talk about it all the time with like your Nate Sexton's. They they compared Andrew Murray to a, a yeah, Nate, Nate Sexton, Sexton style player, um, which is very interesting to see. You know, taller, but of course, according to Jeremy, maybe better looking. Um, you know, who knows? Um, but uh, <laughs> um, similar beard growth style, though. Yeah, like as the three of us bearded men, like it is. It was definitely very Nate Sexton esque, like the very thick chin beard on it. It was really funny to see. Um, but probably eats as many cookies as Nate Sexton as well. Um, but. Um, it's just, just really interesting to see Macbeth struggle, but at the same time, Macbeth struggling still finishes top 10 with, yeah. with flying colors, but definitely extremely crazy to see an eight stroke, nine stroke differential. It was like, an odd round for sure. It was, it was very odd. Uh, to see, was it six pars in a row? He hold, he parred holes yeah, one yeah. through he six. Held, he held out as best he could. I mean, he came into yeah. round three with a, with a he shot, four, he shot, he was shot over lead. par. He was over par on yeah. hole on front nine. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was, it was three stroke was, lead over uh, over Kevin, and then a four stroke lead over the rest. It it was funny though. Like he came into the round with a two stroke lead, mm-hmm. and he thought just it was, oh, he, thought it was, it was two, more than two. Yeah, three, two three stroke, three stroke, and four stroke. Oh, I thought it was two strokes. Yeah, because they sure. were either they way. Were it was it was down. enough. It was enough to where it was surprising for sure. Yeah, it was enough yeah. for like us to notice and be like, okay, well, he's struggling today. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, all right, well, we'll see what he can do. And I mean, he did make a run back for it, but yeah. just was not able to complete. So yeah. well, he'll get he'll get a few weeks off like all yeah, the players. Yeah. Um which and we talked about it. We talked about it before too with Macbeth. He's he's now at the point where he doesn't have to play these silver series. He's yeah, not worried yeah. about, I have to fill my schedule every single week. I doubt he's going to play an event until MVP open. He'll probably go up to MVP and it's near, it's closer to where he lives. Um, he in Virginia. Delaware? I know Delaware is yeah, Delaware. Delaware is a pro tour NT? event. It's an NT. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big Germ kept saying Delaware first instead of MVP. So I'm wondering. Oh, it's a Delaware first. Yeah. 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 So I think we yeah. get this next week off and I think it's Delaware yeah. probably a week off and then MVP yep. with a silver so. series scattered that we probably will watch some coverage of. Yeah, and some some version of it. Um, but jumping over to FPO, um, pretty standard leaderboard um, in the FPO field. Um, we had Paige Pierce on top. Uh, we talked about this offline. Um, very interesting scores. This course played, I don't know if there was different tee pads or what. Um, I know we talked about it last week within a whole, whole entire different course for the FPO field, which was, I think, a really awesome idea. But I don't know if Idlewild just doesn't have some different pads or whatnot. I saw some um, on some holes because you watch some of the MPO players throw past them. So I know okay, they so had some, some holes there were. pads. Yeah. But it was definitely surprising. There's usually you know a good amount of you know just overall stroke difference between the FPO to MPO field. But this one was, was almost alarming. Um, um, to me, seeing it um, to Paige Pierce winning at shooting minus one, I yeah, mean, that was was that was kind of shocking. Yeah. But with her round ratings, she shot, she averaged like I mean, she shot a, a 999 rated round, a 956 and 993. So she averaged like a 970, 980, a little bit over 980 round uh, wow. golf, which is her rating. I mean, she shot. Yeah around her rating. So it wasn't like, I think the score was more alarming, but the ratings and the level of play lined up for that, where that she brought matched up, but it was definitely surprising to see only one under par winning the FPO field. Yeah. 
I feel like at the same time, it's like I just I want Kristen Tartar, like we said last week, to come back and just yeah. she was, give she's some, the difference. Get some competitiveness, man. Yeah. I I wish it would. And yeah. you know, some of these ladies on there still can. It's just like she's running away. So that I feel like it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um for someone to keep changing, you know, who wins stuff. But I mean, yeah. she's going to take it away if no one's there. Right. To give Speaking her of that, of something we really haven't talked about. Um, but in the women's field, it doesn't feel like there's that many like players that are new that are super young. I think of people like your Haley Kings, uh, Heather Young's, you know, some of those, I mean, Paige Shu isn't even that young anymore. But I mean, a lot of the women's field is women who have been on tour for a long time. I mean, you think about Katrina Allen, Sarah Hokum, Paige Pierce, uh, yeah. Jessica Weiss, Kona, uh, who else? Holly Finley. I mean, some of these, Rebecca Cox, Owen Scoggins, these, these, these women that have been on tour for years and years and years. The only newer names, as in like, hey, you've been here for three years or less, maybe three to four years, is right. your Heather Young, your Haley, you know, Haley King, some of these younger players. It's, it's kind of surprising. What do you, what are you guys' takes on that? Do you think that there's, there's women's players that are are maybe not taking that next jump to the tour life. Maybe, but I mean, it's, it's a, I don't know. It, it's kind of a hard subject because I feel like there are those players out there. They just, I feel like they just need to step up that level and compete at different tournaments or, you know, I don't know, something like yeah. that. Just kind of like step up and, do really good. So yeah, I think last week was a big step towards that having yeah. a specific course for women's mm-hmm. because it comes down to in a lot of ways it comes down That'll to help. the right, it comes down to the sponsorships, the viewership, and I think Disc Golf Pro Tour is making a huge push for that with the way they did coverage. I'm hoping. I think last week they did did that super well with Sunset Hills, a different course, and building a fan base around the FPO field is something that is moving. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. You had, what is it? Seven or eight different women win Mm -hmm. eight different events. Like it is this year in particular has been a huge, huge step for FPO. And I think we're going to see it continue. And you have, I think you have girls that are growing up playing disc golf now. Is it's it's, times are changing towards that. Yeah. I think that's what's going to help because to kind of go back and answer that earlier question that you asked, I think it's a combination of factors like, there's the women who feel like they're going to be heckled while they're on the course mm-hmm. or who don't feel comfortable going out with their boyfriend, spouse, whatever. You know, it, it can be hard. Or by themselves. Find, or by themselves, even. Some courses aren't necessarily in the safest of locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then even making the jump from I played a local tourney to playing a pro tour event, there might not be, there's not as much of a, I mean, even for the MPO side, that's a hard jump. I mean, oh, it's only sure. recently that guys are more willing to be like, "Yeah, I live on my, I'll live out of my car for a year." Right. Um, it's, it, it's not uh, like it's not like soccer in Europe where you're playing no. for Manchester City when you're six years old, and right. it's just your, your destiny is set it's, for you. Yeah, it's literally and then and then to know that you're jumping different. into a much tighter niche grouping, and to know that MPO is getting all the credit and all the fame and all the glory, mm-hmm. I think some women are probably just more content to to stay at their local and dominate their local A tiers and B tiers. Right. And maybe if they get lucky, you know, they'll catch that Innova or Discraft sponsorship and then take mm-hmm. the leap. Yeah. Um, so I mean, look I at someone, yeah. the, like the Haley Kings who are like, right. oh, I was I about to mention high that. school. I'm going out. I'm going for this. Right. And I, I think she's someone that you're going to see at the top. I think Haley King has, has the chops, has the distance, has the form to, to be at the top for many years to come. My, I think the, the question becomes is who else is going to just pop on the scene? Join her. 
like yeah. your Kyle Kleins, like your, I mean, your Kevin Jones years ago, names you mm-hmm. have yeah. never heard of, your Eagle McMahons that just show up out of nowhere, your first pro tour event, and Eagle is on the lead card at the at what what, what is now the Dynamic Discs Open was glass blown open. And you're like, who the heck is this skinny kid? Like, like and just also, ripping, you know, and I think that's going to happen so much in the coming years solely due to the impact that FPO has made and the steps the Pro Tour has made, the steps that the uh, the coverage has made towards the FPO field. I think it's going to be an incredible 2022 for the FPO, you know. Yeah, Haley, Haley in the chat brought out a good comment, you know, kind of like the pandemic still being blamed for people not competing as much as previous years. Yeah, we saw well, something we need to talk about too. We saw masks come back out. Yeah. They're back to phase two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a Kentucky thing. Yeah, it might be it's state to state. It's definitely state to state to, I think to see how that's going to happen. Thing. I don't know if it's a pro tour. Is it a pro tour statement, Justin? You're you're pretty good about the news and that kind of stuff. Um, I want to say I heard it through commentary or someone's post. I think what it is is I think pro tour follows state guidelines, and so okay, if Kentucky yeah. or that area in Kentucky is still at phase two, then pro tour is going to follow that out of respect for the state and the local ordinances. I think that's what it was. Yeah, that makes sense. Which makes sense. Which timing, seen... timing wise, it worked out well because the West Coast is starting to shut down, where the East yeah, Coast hasn't again. really picked that up yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays. Um, but definitely a good point. No, there's um, another but, one that she brought up too. <laughs> yeah. Um, wrapping up Idlewild, I think it's it's an exciting tournament. I love this stretch of week to week to week tournaments. I think going from uh, what's the name of the tournament we just played, um, Ledgestone straight Ledgestone. into. Straight into, I mean, honestly, D-Glow into Ledgestone into uh, Idlewild was is just an awesome three tournaments that really tests a whole like another level of your game. It was a lot, and it, it is a an extremely different style, like Andrew Marweed said, a different style of mental exhaustion leading into this couple-week break off the Pro Tour. So excited to see what's coming up. But what's the, the next up-and-coming uh, tournament in the coming weeks? We have the Silver be- Series next week. So the Silver Series is the Stafford Open, a DGPT series, Silver Series. Um, and so I know a couple of people that are playing it. Um, then we got a break until the end of, well, actually, we have Am Worlds next, uh, this weekend. Yep. Um, yep. In Orlando near Justin. And then the 28th, the weekend of that we have our tournament, Mitch, is the um, Delaware Open. Mm-hmm. Correct. Is, yep. So. Yep. Also, then, we have uh, we're finally coming back off the break for Formula One, so I'm excited about that. I know the 28, 29th. I've been missing it. Been missing the Formula One so much. I've been all on vacation, and I see <laughs> I know. your post. And I'm just like, can we just? I'm get like, back can to we just get back to racing, please? <laughs> can, can we please? Um, goodness. Well, moving right along, a we are in part three of building the bag um, with your hosts here of Parked Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about mid ranges. A um, couple questions, yeah, a couple are. things we want to go through. Um, um, there's a lot of, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of controversy with mid ranges. I feel like it's probably the least carried disc in most mm-hmm. people's bags. Um, it is a disc that's not changed very often because it's a disc that you're reaching towards for that low fade. You're reaching towards for a consistency, and it's a trust disc that some people throw putters when they really, you know, maybe could throw a mid range and power up on them. Some people throw fairways when they could power they could power down on a fairway. And there's that's kind of a, a weird spot in your bag. Um, but I kind of will lead this conversation and kind of ask you guys some of these questions. Um, first question: Are approach discs a mid range? Your A twos, your zones, your 
your justice, you know, those overstable uh, approach. I got to ask this question. Why? I'm, I'm just trying to stir the pot, man. I'm just, I'm trying to uh, get to content. He, go, he went there. He went there. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. We talked about putters yeah. and I think we landed on. Well, we talked to him on the other side of, are they putters? But I think yeah. in a lot of ways, I think there are a lot of those I, discs nowadays are closer to mid ranges and they're, firmly, they're replacing okay, mid ranges. Well, okay. Well, on that topic. Okay. How many times did Kevin Jones throw that A3? A lot. Yeah. And off the tee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like a mid range. I mean, when yeah. everybody else was throwing a flip up mid range, he was throwing an A3 on high. On, and it would have just fair. Like, I mean, I don't I know. Guess, I, I, there's, a, there's a point, and it, it, I guess it depends on how you play your golf, I would mm-hmm. say. Cause I mean, I could definitely use it as a mid range. That is, that is no feat. That I I cannot use. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I play with you this, literally every single round we weekend. play together. You you really reach for those approach discs more than putters more than a mid range. Well, I have more trust in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what they're going to do, and I know how to manipulate them to a certain extent where I want them to do something different um, than they're yeah. made to. Um, I mean, that par four um, on BW one. Um, so I I threw straight up the gap and then threw a two to the basket. And I was probably 250 from the basket. Mm-hmm. It's and dissecting that hole in, in a different just, way. It's just a different way to play. And I use that as a mid-range instead of just throwing yeah. a mid-range. I don't have a straight to over, really overstable mid-range. So I, mm-hmm. I just go something trusting and just rip into it. Yeah. Justin, what about you? What is the, you know, do you think approach discs are in that mid-range category? You know, why do you carry them? Why do you not? I mean, I've only got one approach disc right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And it's so, the most controversial one. <laughs> it is the most controversial one because I carry his own. Um, yeah. I think for me, the approach discs deserve, I mean, I think they should have their own category. Not, not enough um, of a category where they get a week of building the back, but they, uh, they get, they get no, two weeks, no, actually. No, no, no. They're, they're that they important. Get, they they, get they two are weeks. that important. They've, they've overlapped. They are... Yeah. Um, because I, I, I do throw my mids maybe more than some other people. I mean, I only care. And I just, and Mitch, you got the whole long text from me on Saturday where I was like, hey, I'm taking this disc out and this disc out and this disc mm-hmm. out because why do I have them? Or it's an yeah. extra that I don't need. Right. Um, like I'm not throwing my mid ranges over water. So I pulled out I pulled out my second buzz because I never throw it. It's it's in there yeah. for no for no purpose. Right. And then I had one really beat up prime truth where I was like, I have an EMAC. I don't need, you know, the prime was mm-hmm. great while I had it, but I don't even pull for it anymore. So right. um the zone for me really isn't inside like 60 feet, because I don't really have much of a circle too, and I don't trust my jump putts because I've definitely mm-hmm. tried to jump putt and it's gone, you know, total shank city. So um <laughs> The the zone is probably between like sixty to one hundred and twenty feet. That's my like I go for like an overstable, yeah. um, kind of. Uh, to me, that is the golf shot. To me, that is kind of like taking a wedge and kind of trying to chip it up onto the green. Mm-hmm. So, but I do also throw mids and I throw them off the tee. Where I think a fairway driver, if I were to throw a fairway driver off the tee, I would out shoot the hole. Like the one hole that I did park that three four weeks ago when we talked about it. If I were to throw a fairway there, I'd be in the street. Cause it's only a 220 foot hole, but I don't have enough strength to throw a putter 200 feet without it turning into an awkward roller. So, um, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at on the approach. This, I think they deserve their own category. I think to an extent, yes, they are a putter, but nobody puts with them. Yeah. And I think to an extent, some people use them as mids because, but they're, a, they're a trusted mid because of stability. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> long, long answer to a simple question. Yeah. So our, our approach is discs mid-ranges. That's the people want to know, Justin. Yes or no go? No. All right. Good to know. Um, let's talk plastic for a mid-range. Uh, oh, Mitch, what long, about your thoughts? Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I I think See, I'm he's in the same just boat here as you. to ask the questions. I'm here to ask the questions, man. Um, <laughs> he's but never no, giving I, any content. He doesn't throw plastic. He just he no, just asks questions. I've actually I don't play disc golf. I'm just here for here for for the podcast fame. Um, but I I think um, I think it's it it's, depends on what you use it for. I think it huh. if you're using a zone full power, if you're using an A2, a you know, the justice, these, these discs that are kind of that like four ish speed, like could be, I think it depends on your style. I think it depends on if you're using them forehand or backhand plays into it a lot. Um, because I don't think a lot of people forehand mid ranges, um, but people will forehand that overstable approach ish putter. So I think that's what it comes down to. So blanket, you know, answer, do I think approach discs are mid ranges? Yes and no. It's it. It depends. It depends. <laughs> I mean, it, it just you only it does. I, I choose no, you both. You only get one. You can't choose both. I choose My snow. Answers. Yeah. <laughs> he choose, chooses no. I choose snow. I say no, snow. but yeah. also it, it's kind of whoever. It's it depends on the player. It depends. Everybody on the uses it different. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. on on a pro level, people are throwing these approach discs, like you said, like it's Kevin Jones off the tee mm-hmm. with an A three, or Paul McBeth yeah. with a zone. Also, Ezra threw the A four. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. A lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving into plastic, I think this, you, you can't think mid-ranges and not think about the KC Pro Rock. I mean, the absolute Who staple. Has not thrown that? Yeah, the staple mid-range. I, and it I was, haven't thrown one. Yeah, you're, you're, new, you're a newer, you haven't been around newer, uh, newer player <laughs> in this, but for so long, it was the standard. It was, if you... I still it, have it was, one. Yeah, I do too. It was a... A KC Pro Rock or a, a a baseline rock was the Ching rocks that they were called for a long time. The, yeah, I had yes, one that yes, I yeah, yes, yes, Ching yes, rock. Yes. Yeah, um, but the, and people still have hundreds of them in collectors editions, and it was it was the disc that you know Ken Climo had his own plastic, the KC plastic that yeah. was such a staple in that. Um, I know the, the in the past building. I've thrown yeah it's it's a mid ranges are such a we talked about we talked at the beginning of this conversation they're such a disc of reliability of you want to season them more than almost any other disc. And there's, they stay in your bag for so long. And I think plastic comes into it. I think some companies do this better than others. Um, what do you yeah. guys takes on that? I think the Innova does such so well, but no one's throwing a baseline buzz. You know what I mean? Like no. it's a it, plastic. Yeah. I think prodigy has their 300 series mid ranges. I threw for a long time. Um, I mean, I know you and I, Hayden, you and I threw the, uh, was it the P-Line MD3 we threw for a little bit? That was kind of the, was it you, was it you and I or is it you and Andrew? No, it was, I you, forget. It was, it was me and Andrew. you and Andrew. Yeah, and um, it was very similar to that flat top rock. I've always had my rind ranges have kind of always been either M4s, M2s, and kind of prodigy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you got me into those, um, I can't remember the name of them. I have them downstairs. Uh, Truths? No. Other ones? Claymores. Nope. Compass? Nope. I don't remember what it is. Bounties. Bounties. Uh, oh, yeah, the bounty, which is very similar to a rock. Like, it's very similar and to I a, love a shape. those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The bounties are just point and shoot. Yep. And I love those. I, I still have a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah. But I. As long as I've played with you, you've always carried a. a you really haven't board. carried baseline mid ranges. 
nope. it's not been something you carry. What about no. you, Justin? Have you ever carried baseline min ranges? You said you had that prime truth, but you never really threw it. Oh, no, I threw it a ton. You gave it to me. So, I mean, starting off, I obviously, I, I bought the baseline everything mm-hmm. uh, pack way back in the day because my first ever mid-range was a DX Shark. Yeah. Which, speaking of playing in the cold, it was at Alexander on hole four, right? Hole three or four. I think it's three. So it's the long par four headed down mm-hmm. into the woods. And you got yep. like those three kind of guardian trees along the fairway. And now, knowing what I know now, it's supposed to be like a kind of a hyzer flip kind of S line through it. Well, at mm-hmm. the time, it was just kind of rip it and, you know, go. Grip it and rip it. Yep. So on, on one of my, at the time, ironically, I had taken my girlfriend at the time out and was like showing her disc golf. And, you know, January, I think it was cold. October, maybe it was 50 degrees outside. My knuckles are red. My fingers are blistering. It's freezing. And I'd been playing with this. So can we, can we for stop like, for a second? Can we stop for a second? This man is a true Floridian. You just said it was 50 degrees and it was cold and your knuckles I've, were red. Yeah, Have you yeah. turned into a Floridian? It's, it's happening slowly. Don't worry. We're, try, <laughs> we're trying to get back. We are trying. Like it was freezing. I had frostbite and it was 50 degrees. I kept telling my wife that like, I'm like, no, it's not true. We'll get down here and there's no way I'll think 70 degrees is cool. And then 70 degrees hits and you're like, oh, it's nice light jacket weather. And you're like, oh God, what is happening to me? It's like when Um, I lived in Montana, it was 38, 40 degrees and people had tank tops on. And you're like, this is amazing. They're like, we're going swimming. And you're like, no. Like, I don't think so, guys. 40, minus, it'd be below 40s in Colorado when I was living there and I'd run with no shirt and shorts. Yeah, crazy. Oh, Sorry to continue though. No, so you're, you're, you're playing. You're playing the whole whole three at, at Alexander. Yeah, whole three at Alexander. So I threw my shark and it hits one of those big old trees dead center, and I watched my disc blow up like <laughs> multiple pieces, up, multiple pieces. Sharknado, so Sharknado style. Yes, thus in baseline <laughs> plastic. Um, <laughs> after that, so you gave me a prime truth that I, I mean, mm. honestly, I do still enjoy that disc. I was very, I relied on it a lot. I had a G-Star Rock 3 for a while that I actually really loved. Yeah. And then I lost it at Central and couldn't find it because it was a dark purple. And nice. then I got a Star Rock 3 thinking that I would like it as much as the G-Star. Those are I overstable. Hate I hate Star, Star Rocks are even, overstable. It's not even the stability. The plastic was uncomfortable in the hand. Like mm. that bead would rip my fingers up. I hated it so much. Okay. So I have, have a uh, like 8 out of 10 Star Rock 3 if somebody wants to buy it from me. <laughs> Goodness um, me! Well, speaking of, speaking of plastic, do you, what do y'all look for in like or not plastic in the flight? You were saying that that prime truth, you know, beat in, but you still like it. You know, it's what we said already in this conversation. It's a disc that you want to, you know, workable, and you want to trust it and do that. Hayden, do you you find yourself carrying mid ranges for long periods of time to lock into the flight, or do you switch them out? I carry them forever. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, how long have I had that? Well, now I don't have it, but which is kind of sad. But how long did I have that first run red M4 that yeah. I stamped myself mm-hmm. uh, like for years? <laughs> I probably yeah. eight years, I, I think. Um, but I was going to say, have you all ever thrown the uh, Metal Flight Gators? No. The disc I never carried was a Gator. They're pretty good. I liked them. Um, I know. I think a Gator old, actually so. is considered a mid range. I think so. But it is similar to that same original conversation. It is an approach disc. Oh, snap. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It's weird. Always a caveat. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I carry them for the longevity. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a new M4 in there first run, um, and I don't plan on kind of taking it out because you beat it in, you you throw it, you know what it does, and, you you know, 
it comes down to it is like, I mean, when I threw it on hole 11, I knew the reliability of it is that I could throw this right. and it's going to land in the same spot. I don't care what the way the shape it is. I'm going to throw it the way it should, the mm-hmm. way Heiser flip, and it's going to sit. I don't, yeah. I, I don't have to, I don't have to think about it. Yeah. So I, I'm going to carry it for a while. That's true. What about you, Justin? What, what kind of flights do you look for in a mid range? Are you throwing like in your bag? Are you trying to find a overstable, a stable and an understable, or are you using one mold and kind of shaping your shots? Yeah, so I've got three molds in the bag right now, and they're all in a driver plastic. So I've got a, a Buzz that came to me beaten because my brother didn't like it, and he was like, here, have it. And I was like, okay. And I love it. Free discs? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I have a Emac Truth, which has kind of taken the Prime Truth out of the bag because I'm just I'm I'm trying to trust that Emac Truth when I do throw a mid, which is rare, but... Um, I'm enjoying it. And then I have a compass. Actually, ironically, I have an Opto Air compass, but it's on the heavier end for Opto Air. It's like a 168. So that was kind of fun. Um, but I look for a lot of the uh, kind of the hyzer flip route. So the buzz and the truth, that's kind of what they're there for, is kind of a hyzer flip. I was kind of hoping the Emac truth would have more fade because whenever you read about the Emac truth online, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's beef. Probably should have gotten me like an Emac X Truth or something like that, the Lucid X. Because um, I am looking for a more overstable. And maybe I need to look back at the approach the approach discs for more overstable mm-hmm. um, mid-range. Yeah, that's a, whole, that's a hole in my bag for sure. Trying to find that like overstable mid-range that I can kind of rip into and trust, but yeah. still get a consistent distance out of. It's, it's a definitely an interesting thing you and I have talked about this before and another point is like the beaded or non-beaded I think that's an interesting yeah. thing with mid-ranges um you've said in the past you really don't enjoy a beaded mid-range why is that like I said I think it was that star so I think it was that star rock three just something about the beat on it just it felt like it was constantly ripping my fingers up mm-hmm. and I, I don't are you, know are, well, are you power gripping that like as normal, because a lot of people that throw bead in mid ranges are putting their finger on the bead and like a bead for more control. That's the whole point of so having then, a bead on a mid range is that control. Oh, then I'm definitely grip. I'm definitely power gripping because that's the only grip form I know is the yeah. kind of the curl the fingers under the disc. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like and I think we said about talked about this with the putters last week. If I were to have like a beaded putter, or maybe this was offline, I would probably try and actually rest my finger on the bead yeah. of the putter because of the putting style. Right. Um, whereas we yeah, were talking with, about the pen roses and what yeah, that would look like. But with with discs that I'm, you know, rip ripping it off of a T pad or for an up and down, I'm I'm using more of a power or a fan grip. I'm not resting any kind of fingers on the uh, the beads. So yeah, the the bead plays a difference. I definitely have a a hole as far as my overstable mids go. Yeah. Um, for kind of that a little bit a little bit further out than a zone. Um, ironically, the compass in my bag has been a great kind of forehand roller in the woods. I've really enjoyed it for just kind of using it. It's definitely for more of a technical get out of trouble card. Yeah. Sorry. I think dog, dog just decided to to bring me a disc. (laughs) He's, he's, he just wanted to be a part of the the podcast. Yeah. Well, it's actually not, it's actually a disc I wanted to kind of show you, but I forgot to send it to you, but now it has teeth marks straight through it. Nice. <laughs> uh, sorry to miss the conversation about that. He knocked over um, the gate, whatever gate to the kitchen. So nice. Yeah. So did Rumors. you bring a desk with you or no? I did actually, and Mitch, okay. I did find what you were looking for. 
And what is it that I was looking for, Hayden? It's a 750 M2. Oh, baby. <laughs> this is this is the first thing. This is a surprise on the podcast. Mm. I'm going to cry. Oh. Well. I might fall M2. in love with it, though. No, I think you should give it to me. Um, so, <laughs> for those of you who don't know. Is that the overstable yeah. mid you're looking for? Well, yeah. here's the thing. It's for, for those of you who don't know, I used to work at, uh, at Prodigy <laughs> back in the day. And when the 750 plastic got released, um, our good friend Kevin is in the chat right now on Instagram. He knows oh, about yeah. these. He used to throw the heck out of them as well. When the 750 plastic got released, the mid-ranges were just it took the mid ranges and just made them all stable, but it was this mm-hmm. controllability and reliability where they didn't beat in. And yeah. it was like the 750 Don't M2 was you could rip into this thing, it flipped up and it did not fade. And it was it, it was a, a just a, a dream of a, a flight. Um, it was that OG prodigy days where it was like you're buying an M2, it's going to be an M2. You're buying a D1, I mean, it's going to be a D1. Like there was there was no inconsistency. And that's and what it, you see today, though, is inconsistency. Yeah, sometimes is so much inconsistency, which comes from the the need and the market for it yeah. for sure. Um, but for me, we Hayden, when you're coming back. Um, we were talking about beaded to non-beaded mid-ranges. I think for an overstable mid-range, you need a bead. That's yeah, what the I bead mean, is there for. It slows the disc down when it reaches the, if, I mean, I may be wrong about this, but when it reaches the, the the furthest point before it fades, that bead helps that stability kick in a little bit quicker um, so well. and the way in which the, the air flies over it. Um, is is a huge thing. So I think the beaded. So one of my favorite overseal mid ranges was a Bard from Westside. I threw it for a long time. I actually have it in my closet. I was thinking about putting it in the, back in the bag because I have been throwing a lot more overseal mid ranges lately. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's beaded, but I think the overseal mid range is an interesting slot um, because we talked about it. Um, last week with Drew Gibson throwing a buzz on every hole, but it is such a touchy, like just type of disc. I mean, Kevin in the chat, yeah, consistency is, yeah. comes from your form and knowing the the different runs of this, yeah, especially for mid ranges is it's such a touchy disc of it is. A, and when new players start playing, I tell a lot of new players and people that have, you know, just getting into the sport of throw a mid range, throw putters, don't even think about fairways for a while because nope. it shows you what you're doing wrong in your form being that it is not that, you know, super beveled edge, sharp edge disc. It's not, it's so, not a driver. I mean, you can only no. do so much with a driver right. running out first straight and you throw putters, you throw mid ranges, you're going to be better yeah. off in the long run. Right. Um, and you and know leading what into, you can right. do. For sure. And leading into our final point in this, um, you know, when, when do you throw a mid range, Hayden? What is, when, when are you reaching for a mid range? Okay. I'm, I reach for that in model S uh, probably like every hole out there. <laughs> but this, when, past weekend. What, what makes you reach for a mid range? over a putter or over a fairway. Because a lot of times I think we watch the pros. This is something that Hayden, you and I have been talking about this a lot as we're getting into, you know, time in, in the year where we're, we have a lot of tournaments that are coming up. I know I just signed up for a tournament the other night. I mean, we have five, six tournaments in the fall coming up, some big ones that we're trying to, you know, lock in and, and get into it. And I want to throw more mid-ranges because we're getting to the point now with our distance where we're throwing mid-ranges sometimes as far as fairways. Yeah. So why, I, why are you reaching for it? I'm reaching it for it because the real, from the get go, or the raw ability. So, like at BW2, Boundary Waters 2 in Douglasville, Georgia, um, I could throw drivers off of them. We all, we all have. And I mean, we all wanted to throw that driver, get the distance, do that, mm-hmm. you know, really good shot. But like the coming down to it, especially playing with tournaments, um, you can't. I, 
I like to set myself up where I know I can get the birdie, but also I want to play in a spot where I know I can get out of and, and yeah. go from. You're not, um, you don't so want like, to play with that stress-free, I can no. skip into it. I think certain courses too. I find myself yeah. throwing mid-ranges way more on a wooded course. Yeah, there's, yeah, more consistent, like Kevin said, more consistent lines with mids. And mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Um, I pulled that in Model S. I think my first card that I played with, they were like, wow, you've only picked up a, a high-speed driver two times in, this, yeah. in the first round. I said, yeah, I I'm don't so, I'm the, so proud of you, man. That I was didn't our plan. Have to, we I didn't have I to. Told you. Oh. I didn't pick up anything else. I mean, yeah. I, I seriously, like I, I whole we started on hole five or no, mm-hmm. so hole sixteen, and I mean that was that was there's a there's a difference. But the par five, I threw a mid range. The par four, mm-hmm. I threw a mid range. Um, hole eighteen, yeah. I threw on a, a par four just, off the tee, putting yeah. yourself in it. And I think, I mean, a point that that I I throw those you know mid ranges is it's you're playing it for positional golf. Yeah, and it consistently, it's a consistency. It's a, you can shape, we go back to Drew Gibson. Like we have so many times in this conversation, it's a, it's a shaping shots. There's not another disc that you can shape shots with the way in which you can at mid range. And I I think for me, the, one of my favorite, um, shots to throw and discs was when the mid range was the Emac truth. That disc just wants to be thrown on an Anheuser line. When you put that thing on an Anheuser, it just holds that left to right shot. It's gone beautifully. And I can't do that with a fairway. I can't do that with a putter. I can't do that with a driver. Like it, it, there's mid ranges that perfectly are shaped and want that, that glide. And it's it's a cool uh, M4. I I mean, I have a a Mac and cheese that proto M4 that it will, I've been, I searched for it when I wasn't throwing Prodigy. I'm someone who likes to throw a similar, uh, or throw one company for the most part, just to have a, a not a lot of holes in my a bag. Consistency, um, consistency of plastic. But I was searching for that M4, and when I came back to Prodigy, instantly it's back in the bag. Yep. So, blue OG Prodigy first round. That's exactly yep. what I have in my bag, Kev, and yep. that's what I threw and I hit band on one of the holes out there. Heck it, yeah. And it's- hey, with, with Kevin the chat. Uh, I'm going to speak first on uh, on the podcast here that uh, gray M2 slash three that has my name on it and your name on it, Kevin. I'd like that back. Um, but uh, <laughs> Justin, why? Um, we have Justin, shared disc over the years. <laughs> we have. Uh, Don't worry. Have. Uh, Justin, when when do you throw mid-ranges? And maybe, you know, why do you think you, after this conversation, do you think you're going to want to throw more mid-ranges? Yeah, I throw them for a lot of hyzer flips. They're... They're mm-hmm. pro- the buzz is probably one of the discs that I was first starting to learn how to throw the hyzer flip on. They're like you said, kind of that pan holding the pan. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna put on Anheuser and it's not gonna do squirrely things. I'm getting my fairways closer to being more consistent with that, like starting to throw fairways instead of just big distance drivers. Um, but there's always that moment where I overthink a shot or I twist a I twist the wrist and it's it's doing, you know, an awkward roller. Whereas the flick mm-hmm. the mid my mids, one thing I like about the mid is the way it grabs the ground. Regardless of plastic, yeah, you don't skip. have as much skip or nope. bounce or roll. Like a mid will kind of like, I, I throw it a lot to kind of try and grab ground near the basket in circle For one. Sure. So it, it's a little bit, little bit of positional. Um, sometimes it's technical, but usually it's, it's if it's tight woods, I'm, even if I don't hit the line, I don't know of a tight wooded hole yet that I've stepped up to and said, I'm going to throw a driver here. It's always been mm-hmm. a mid range. I've just tried different shots with it, either whether it's been a Tomahawk or a forehand roller or a hyzer flip or an Anheuser. Like I've, it's, but it's always been, I've trusted the slower mid range over 
you know, um, a higher speed fairway yeah, or something like for that. Sure. Definitely. I think wrapping this conversation up, this is something y'all didn't know about this, uh, but I was thinking about it. I think between now and between when we finish the building the bag series, I think we need to go, each of us need to go to our local course and throw a round of the shortest pins and throw only putter, do a round of only putter, do a round of only mid range, do a round of only fairways and look at your score. And oh, yeah. I think it would be super interesting to see. I know I've done it in the past. Uh, our buddy Kevin in the chat was, I, th- I think he was there for that. We were, was a time when we were playing, but I went to Oregon park. I played silver to silver. I brought a PA one, a, and an M two or M three. And I shot 11, no 13 under par silver to silver. I played the whole round in 36 minutes and I threw an ACE just mid range putter. And it was like, that's it. But it, it takes questions out of your bag. And I think mid-ranges are such an underused disc. And Hayden and I, with all the training and everything we've been doing for, for tournaments leading up to it, is we've been looking at each other saying, throw mid-ranges, throw mid-ranges, throw mid-ranges. It's consistency. There's not a fear in it. And I think it's an incredible mold that definitely is, is underutilized in most people's bag because people want to go far. They want to have the huge shots. They want to, want to do it, you know, so... All right. Halo's losing power. Oh, fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah. PA1, aka Mr. Consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Mitch throws mids really well. Um, kind of something that I've been trying to catch back up on and, and use more often is my mids. Um, I don't tend to, but I did this time. And that M Model S is just like, mm-hmm. my God. I heard Matty O say the M Model S is the control of an M4 with the stability of an M3. Yeah, it's it's very much that in between disc. That thing went where I wanted it to and where I pointed. So, and yes, Kevin, good night. Throw mids and drink IPAs. That is heck yeah. (laughs) That's gonna be our new sign off. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I just it was it was nice to see that people were you know crediting me for throwing more mids this weekend. So it was kind of it was nice. it's a Which unique thing. Not a lot of people do. And when you oh. throw them, it questions and goes, why am I not? Well, I was throwing mids and they were all throwing drivers. They were throwing fairways. I was mm-hmm. just throwing mid and they were barely out driving me. Maybe just barely. But you were in a better position every single time. Yeah, pretty much. No doubt. Um, well, wrapping it up, this has been building the bag part three with mid ranges. I think I learned a lot about mid ranges and why you guys throw it. And that's the whole point of this thing is as we've built our bags around, you know, the years and years that we've played um, for you, you listeners who are brand new to the game for you listeners who are have played for way longer than we have um, mid ranges are such a huge part of the bag. And it's something that I think we all need to lean on more and it's very course dependent, uh, watching the pros more and more. I mean, especially the disc mania players, they are ripping MD threes. I mean, we watched oh, yeah. these guys, the new, one. the new ones, those Italian blends. Uh, well, we're going <laughs> to talk with, talk with Max uh, sometime soon. Um, and he's been ripping on them as well and have to ask him about it, but, um, I'm really enjoying the series. I think it's, it's definitely something that just is very introspective for all of us to kind of think through and rework our yeah. bags as we get through it. Um, wrapping this thing up next week, we have the Stafford open, like we had talked about before, uh, the silver series event, um, going to be, you know, maybe not all the top players, but I like these silver series events. I think they bring a different vibe. I think there's maybe not the top guys, um, being there, but it gives a different 
vibe of, you know, of professionalism in these. And it, if I'm a, a local TD and I have a silver series event, it's that excitement that this could be on the pro tour um, someday, year. someday yeah. soon or in the coming years. So really neat. But you guys have any closing thoughts, Justin? No, I don't have anything looking forward to, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to a break from all the, all the, uh, the pro tour series stuff back to back to back to back. <laughs> It's been a lot over you're these not, four You're not weeks. even playing. We're I'm just talking about them. We're, we talk <laughs> about them. We watch them. But I, like I know, yeah. I got the comment. I come. I got the comment. I think yesterday where my wife looked at me. And she goes, "It's been a lot of disc golf on the TV." Uh, it's moment where I was like, "Okay, we need to have a little break, see." But and, I'm, and I feel for the players. Like I'm sure they're they're exhausted. Yeah. So. No, what I heard is you need to put some AirPods in and watch it on your phone. I've done that. Too. <laughs> uh, there's just you know. It is what it is. <laughs> hey, it's a different life when you're married. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I got nothing to close out of. It's just I'm excited for these next tournaments that we got and yeah. ready to get, you know, kicking it up and play a little bit more better golf. But hey, I, you know, I can't complain with the way I played this weekend. So, yeah. that. And then I also playing with you. So, I haven't played these last two tournaments with you. So, it's kind of nice. I've been, yeah, I've been, uh, if you look at our personal Instagrams with Hayden and I, we've been kind of, I've been training with Hayden and helping him with these mm -hmm. tournaments, but I haven't been able to play him on the weekends with some other things going on, um, day to day yeah. stuff. But it's going to be fun um, playing with each yeah, other. We have, getting we ready for it. Head down to Hotlanta, um, August 28th, 29th. We're going to head down to Griffin, Georgia. Um, great group of courses. Kevin McCoy has done an amazing designs down there and uh, going to be in, in just an awesome time, a two day tournament down there. We're going to go down this Saturday and practice those. So we'll probably go live, be looking out for that um and it's it's just going to be fun to be able to grind out these tournaments together justin's going to be coming up that next week and the first week of september for yep. amlanta um the the meme tournament of all the uh the guys who need to move up um <laughs> Pretty much. In, the, uh, in the atlanta area um but it should be a good time but uh, this has been episode seven of parked a disc golf podcast thank you so much for listening as always my name is mitch i'm hayden and i'm justin and we will see you guys next week Adios. Bye. Bye. Bye.